I'm Laura from Catalyst Inc Connect. Welcome to another episode of Succeed in Business. Springboard, Northern Ireland's most powerful personalised accelerator programme, shares everything you need to know and didn't know you didn't know. Everything you need to know to establish, grow and scale your business successfully. Springboard, accelerating innovation through experience. Today's episode, recorded at the Skunk Works Surf Company factory in Coleraine, is titled Idea to Revenue, A Real Entrepreneur's Journey. And we're in conversation with John and Skunk Works co-founder, Ricky Martin. We're here today to talk about your perspective from a real entrepreneur, so somebody's actually been there, done that, and done it relatively recently. So this is going to be really helpful to other budding entrepreneurs or people who have actually just started a business. So I guess kick off, how do you come up with an idea? I think in general, like the, the idea has got to be one that is actually solving a problem. I suppose there are times when people come up with a completely new concept of something brand new and basically start a brand new industry. But for me, it's first of all finding out what problem actually exists. Does this problem have a detrimental impact on people's lives? Is it worth solving? And then if it is then going about putting a, your, your thought process into action about how you, how you can solve that, that process. I guess you had a head start, right? Because if we think about Skunk Works Surf Co, you at one stage in your life were out teaching people how to surf. So you saw, sort of saw the problem firsthand, which is really a good way of starting off, so you can experience a problem, how to solve that. How do you test that your idea is not just a problem that you see on your own in isolation, but that it's going to be a general problem that's got scalability if that makes sense credit to that has to go to my brother chris because i had this problem where my surfboards fell apart year after year after year as did all of my peers around the world and it was only whenever chris really got a gist of how bad this problem was he said well why aren't we solving this problem that's an entrepreneur who actually went do you know what let's let's fix this whereas myself and a lot a lot of my other peers just coped with it so I think that that was a, a crucial stage in, in what we did. And then to find out whether or not there was a sort of a, a market and a need for it, I immediately just got on the phone and I just started speaking to people. Is this a localised problem? Is this a problem in Northern Ireland? Quickly found out it was certainly a problem in Ireland as a whole. So then I started speaking to surf schools in the rest of the UK, then Canada, then Australia. When does this problem end geographically? And it didn't. And it was at that point we knew we were really onto something. In summary, there's two key things maybe come out from that. One is you saw the problem. Your brother Chris says, how can we solve it? So in a way, the importance of, of teamwork and having more than one person involved in sort of bringing an idea to fruition. And then secondly, the importance of testing your assumptions against other people who potentially have the problem. And I guess looking outside of your friends and family because friends and family are always going to tell you you're doing great right <laughs> exactly, it's, the, yeah. it's the guys out there who are going to say hang on a minute you know it's yeah. not that big of a problem fortunately you you, you come up with a, a great big problem which you can solve yeah no right? absolutely so you've now got this potential solution for a problem put it in simple terms how do you prove your value proposition how do you ascertain whether your potential customers actually pay for this great solution that you've got we asked them <laughs> basically just asked them it was the it was the easiest thing to do 
we spoke to surf schools all over the world, asked them, first of all, what are you paying for your boards at the minute? Well, what are your problems with your product? These problems were standard globally. What do you pay for your product currently? What would you be willing to pay for your product? And these key pieces of information allowed us to work out, one, are people prepared to pay more if their problem's solved? Um, two, it allowed us to gauge what sort of price range we could roughly sell a really good product for. And that in turn allowed us to work out, is this physically possible? Can we manufacture in Northern Ireland and sell at a competitive price? So suddenly it's about the gathering of information, getting as much information as you possibly can from as many relevant people as you can and then trying to correlate that data and work out if you've got something or not. So again, two things out of that. One, if you can solve a really, really big problem, people will actually pay more money to resolve that. I, if it's an important thing that they need resolved and they're really frustrated with what they've got right now. But secondly, on top of that, you've got to put a little bit of a sanity check on it. So mm-hmm. what can the market afford? What mm-hmm. will they pay for it? And it's somewhere between the two. Again, I would suggest a lot of people starting off business say, well, what does it cost me? And then I need to charge something on top of that to make a profit. Mm-hmm. Um, but you need to start the other way. So what big problem are you solving? And what will people actually pay for that? And then sort of sanitize that against what they're able to pay. Yeah, completely. And I mean, I think that was the key, being able to get investment and the key being to be able to do so many things. And the reason that we were able to achieve these things are because we learned our market inside out and so I think a lot of people come up with really good ideas but don't actually know how to get them to market if there's a market there for them and and we try to approach it the other way around and I think that gives you a lot of confidence in what you're doing as well because it can be very disheartening being an, an entrepreneur or being in that space and you hit a lot of walls but knowing that 100% sure your market's there at the end of it is a really good motivating tool to sort of get you through it. What's scary to a lot of people is we think we've got an answer to a problem, we think we can solve it, we know from test cases that our customers will pay for it and now we're going to look for some money to put that together and somebody says well have you got a business model, have you got a business plan and that's sort of scary. What are the key aspects of this business model that you, you need to consider to make this whole thing a potential reality at the end of the day. So there was there's there's two main bits to it. There's first of all the product. So while I was looking after the commercial side of things, the other three people in the business, Chris, Thomas and Steve, were working all day, every day on the product to make sure that the product was as good as we needed it to be. So that was one massive thing that was going on in the background. From the commercial side, the main things that we needed to look at in the business plan were one, how are we going to make this product? So what are the cost implications of that? You know, you've got to have a premises, you've got to have staff, you've got to buy materials, you've got to have the ability to spend a lot of money for a long period of time without actually generating revenue. So how, how are you going to do that? Where's that money going to come from? Is it going to come from private investors, from personal investment? How are you going to bring that product to market? So are you going to distribute it yourself? Are you going to sell directly to your customers? Are you going to look sell through retailers? Are you going to sell through distributors? Are you going to get an agent? Um, because all of these scenarios have completely different cost implications from one another and it's really tempting to just look at the easiest one, the one that would, the one that sounds the best, the one that looks like you'll sell the most product. It might be a disaster for you. You might not make any money that way, so you've got to look very carefully at that. Um, and then 
the sort of sustainability of the business. So if you do get your product and, it, and it's as good as you want it to be, if you get investment through that you need, what happens next? How many people do you need to employ? Um, how much are your rates going to be? How much is your rent going to be? Your electric? How many more people are you going to need to employ down the line? Um, your, your cash flow? I mean, actually, yeah, your cash flow. It's your cash flow is everything because you could get the biggest order of your life and be absolutely over the moon and then you order your materials and you go bankrupt. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, exactly. Um, so cash flow is everything. So I, I mean, I think the, the other big thing is learning where your strengths and weaknesses are. And then wherever you don't have strengths, getting the right people involved. So Chris was, was, had a very defined role of looking after the product side of things. I had a very defined role of looking after the commercial side. When things got above Chris on the product side, he employed engineers to help him. And when things got above me in the finance side, I would employ people who could give me financial leadership. There's just so many areas within the business plan that you need to look at, and it's taking your time and not rushing it and really thinking about it. And then the beauty of the likes of Springboard is bouncing those ideas off people who actually understand them. and not being too afraid to do that because it's terrifying you spend all this time and effort doing this and the last thing you want to be do you want to happen is to be shot down but you're better being shot down then than spend the next year doing it and it failing i guess from a springboard perspective we're all saying well we're, we're the critical friends so it's being friendly enough uh, to be open but but not being too friendly that you can't be critical so if you know if you ask your friend your best friends or your parents they'll always give you a slap on the back because they never want to say you know, stop, you're not doing a great job. But in an often case, especially when you're in this situation, you need somebody to point out the hard, the hard bits that you can actually then go and resolve. And you said that very well because you had the balance where I knew I was going into a room of friendly faces, but I also had butterflies in my stomach because I was nervous about what was going to happen. And so you really hit the nail on the head. You made some very succinct points again. You've got to have the right team so you, one person can't do everything. You've got to have that skill set right. And that's really important, as you said, when you lean on to cash is king, so the cash flow, if you're going to get investment and you don't have the right team to deliver, then you're going to, not going to get investment because one person can't do it all. The next bit that I see from, from companies and early stage companies going through Springboard is that they do spend a lot of time on the product development. They potentially spend a lot of time on manufacturing, if you like, and then they spend very little time and well, what do we do next? How do we actually sell mm -hmm. this stuff? How do we, now that we think we know there's a market out there, we've got this product, how do we actually get it out onto the market and sell it? Mm -hmm. And I guess you were sort of focusing on that as well. So you had Chris and the guys who were saying, well, we can get you the product. With your network, you were able to spend time doing that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, that's exactly right. Like whenever we started off, we didn't have clearly defined roles and it was a disaster. You know, you need that. You need to have your own responsibility. From the commercialization point of view, it's about having the guts to actually go and talk to people, even when you maybe think, oh, do you know, I'd be better maybe holding off a wee bit further. We went over to California and met the absolute premier surfboard manufacturing company in the world when we went out with the tech mission. And we arrived with a board that actually was bent the wrong way. It didn't even really look like a surfboard at that point. And we were going in, it was basically like, turning up at Ferrari with a car with one wheel that the doors didn't open and it had no steering wheel. 
and going, what do you think of our new car idea? And uh, colors nice. Yeah, yeah, the colors <laughs> nice, and and it wasn't the color wasn't nice, <laughs> but they got it, you know, and they they. It, we were like, look, we realise this isn't the finished article, it's far from it, but this is our technology, this is what we're doing, this is what we've achieved today, and this is what we're going to achieve. Whereas if we had waited until the, the very, very end, until the product's perfect, you're starting, when you need to be selling that product, you're just on day one of trying to speak to people about it. It's not good enough. You know, you need to be out there and you need to be speaking to as many people as possible. So given that, you're going to be a high growth potential company. A few tips, what do you do? How do you go about raising money to make sure that you can deliver at the end of the day? Okay, so the first thing that you do, and again, all of our experience with the Science Park, I can't overstate how brilliant it's been because it's all about your ability to pitch. Um, and we went through that with Invent and we went through it with Springboard. You need to learn your pitch. It's about practice and it's about practicing again and again and again and again. So when you're standing up there in front of potential investors, you know what you're saying inside out. And you've practiced it so much that it's natural. It's not a robotic pitch. You have thought about every single question that could possibly be asked to you and you've got a confident answer. Investors will ask you questions that you don't know the answer to. Say that, say I don't know, I'm gonna go and find out. These people are about to give you their own money. You have to appreciate that and think, how would I feel if I was gonna give some of my own money? So you need to be honest, you need to have integrity and you need to be absolutely assured in the knowledge that you have of your own product and your own company and then you have to go and meet as many people as you can because you don't go and meet one person and they go yeah brilliant i love it let's do this you probably have to pitch to about 20 or 30 or 100 or 200 people before you get it are there any particular behaviors or, or a single behavior you say well that's what a good entrepreneur needs to do if at first you don't succeed try and try again and then stop <laughs> because <laughs> right. you've got to understand that while you've got to keep going and keep going and keep going, you also have to realise at some point if it's not going to work, you know, and that's a really difficult one or fine line. Both Chris and I have had businesses, other businesses in the past, which didn't quite work out. And, uh, and it's having been able to go, I've invested so much time into this but I'm going to let it go. So when, when Robert Bruce was doing his poem and watching the spider, he was nearly right. Spider should have given up yeah. after about three webs. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly. just not working. That's I'm going somewhere else. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Excellent. Last question. Okay. If you look at your journey from the start of this project to, to where you are now, what's the single biggest lesson that you learned that you could pass on to other budding entrepreneurs or people in your position? Communication amongst the team with no doubt. Almost every obstacle that we have had has been overcome through good communication. Every fallout that has happened within the company has been a result of bad communication. Communication is what keeps the team together. So yeah, communi communicate with each other and do it in a, in a structured way too. So every Tuesday morning we have a meeting. Every single person in the team says what they did last week, what they're doing this week. We set com individual goals and company goals for the following week. And the next Tuesday we go through and see what goals were hit and what weren't and we go round the table again and everybody gets to see what's happening outside their own wee bubble and uh, it's just the absolute key 
to to get them to the next stage. Well, basically, what any good marriage counselor will tell you, you don't have good days and bad days. Just communicate, work, <laughs> yeah. work through it, right? Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, brilliant, Ricky. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Thanks, John and Ricky. That wraps up today's episode. Be sure to check out the show notes for a summary of the discussion and for all other information. Please get in touch with us via Twitter or Facebook to give us your feedback on today's podcast, all linked below. I look forward to catching up with you all on our next episode. Thanks for listening.